0: Are you registered to vote? Headcount is a nonpartisan organization that works with the music and entertainment industry to get fans to vote. To update or check your voter registration status, go to headcount.org, where you'll find all the information you need to be ready for election day.
1: Headcount tours with musicians to help concert attendees register to vote, but you don't need to leave your house to register or to get voting info. Register to vote by visiting headcount.org.
0: Hello and welcome to Mixtape, Mixtape Tape Memories. Memories. I'm Jenners.
1: And I'm Matt Hartspade. And we're back with another episode.
0: Yay! <laughs> <laughs> This episode I'm, I'm psyched about because we're going to be talking about 90s and aughts protest music to kind yes. of relate it back to like what's going on in the world right now with all the Black Lives Matters protests and mm-hmm. defund the police protests mm-hmm. and pretty much like every issue you can think of. Absolutely. <laughs> that we need to protest like ice and I mean yeah there's so like, much so queer many rights just dis- disabled Abortion rights, rights you know yeah. just every like human right
1: <laughs> and I feel like for a while maybe I mean I'll speak for myself like I was a little complacent during the Obama years and then obviously the last few years have been the polar opposite and particularly the last few months have just been it's just been wild and we really need to be as vocal as possible to speak out against this chaos and these lies and this mess and this corruption and and injustice so yeah I guess we just we thought it was the right time to do an episode like this
0: yeah yeah I mean I think like I was never political when I was younger and and even into my like young adulthood you Mm -hmm. know like and I was always more like consumed with like entertainment really like Mm -hmm. music and you know writing and stuff like that and i wasn't really paying attention to politics and maybe that was like a weird privileged time in history we're gonna look back and be like that people were so lucky back then um because we lived in this like weird bubble because like now it's like you can't help but be like everybody is political yeah, I feel so. like if
1: at this point, if you're apolitical, that is a privilege, and also you are just blind to everything. You're like happily blind to everything. Yeah. Um, and I know I have people in my life that are that are like that. And it, you know, when when I speak to a, you know a couple friends or or certain family members, and they say, oh, the news is so sad. I just I haven't really watched it in weeks. I don't really read. I don't really keep up to date. Everything's terrible. I'm like, well. Uh, that that's a privilege in my view like you know I'm, I'm trying to do everything i can from my standpoint to try and fight back whether it is you know donating or petitions or marching or just kind of educating myself and i feel like for some folks to not do any of that and just kind of concede to the fact that things are messy is is not enough in my view
0: yeah, yeah. and i think you know when you're younger you're not like thinking about all these things you know you're Mm -hmm. you know you do feel like more invincible i think like because you're not thinking about death you know as close to death as older people are (laughs) so you're not thinking about it as much yeah and we're living in a narcissistic society so you know we're breeding people who care about their own freedoms and not necessarily like other people's freedoms and rights exactly you know Yeah, it's just a scary time, but it's kind of cool to see people, like, be able to come together and, you know, go out on these, you know, protests, signing petitions, phone banking, all these fundraisers, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, you know, just posting about it and talking about it. Like, you know, I feel like there's a real movement. I feel that
1: way, too. And, you know, I, I, I'm kind of one of these people that loves... I, I read too much political news at this point, believe me, and watch too many political things. But I th- I think the last thing I saw was that about three-quarters of this country is very motivated by what's going on right now uh, in a in a positive way, like, seeming that there's going to be change, that all of this is justified, like, speak out. And to me, that's encouraging, that it's such a high percentage of people that are just, like... This is this is right. We're 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 doing things right, and something better come of it, you know. Yeah,
0: and yeah. um, I don't know. Just like a lot of things, like when it first started, I like defund the police or whatever. It's like I it was just like, is this even possible? Like, mm-hmm. can't is this even like a? Are we just cra- like is it just crazy to think that this is possible? And now it seems like we're closer to that mm-hmm. being possible. It like really makes me like rethink how I'm you know looking at everything, you know, yeah, like change is possible, we have to stop thinking it's not
1: absolutely, and I mean, listen, I think one thing that I've learned in my lifetime is that it's it's always like a one step back, one step forward and and progress doesn't just happen overnight, so I feel like you know the the goals for example, of the Black Lives Matter movement certain ones are going to be implemented sooner than later certain ones will take decades to fully be realized and that's just kind of how things are based on leadership and based on various other factors and i think it's just for me a matter of like keeping at it and not letting the bad guys keep winning you know Um, and i mean that in the literal sense of elections and i also mean that in the sense of Of everything, you know, like if your workplace isn't hiring in a fair fashion, then you need to say something about it, you know. Um, So yeah, it it just it takes time, you know. But we're I feel like this is we're in the middle of the movement, and it feels really good, and it feels really, for me, it feels like uh we're on the verge of something that is going to be pretty monumental. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's kind of interesting how it's happening while a pandemic is happening and while a lot of people are at home maybe without jobs so like a lot of people's distractions have basically stopped so they had like space to kind of see these injustices going on and to have like a call to action you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of hope Yeah, I'm actually feeling
1: hopeful for once (laughs) I mean, I think I'm also feeling hopeful Because as we're recording this We're very close to, uh, you know, the next election And, um, you know, we'll see how things go But I'm trying to stay hopeful this time
0: Yeah, I mean, you you just have to Because otherwise I do feel like, you know You just gotta put that energy out there And like, but also do stuff about it You know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. So hope and you know effort. <laughs> yeah. So uh, everyone's kind of giving in their own ways, you know. Exactly. So I think I think that's just the most important thing. Everyone's contributing, but they're contributing what they can, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We wanted to kind of talk about this this protesting um, through music that has been happening uh for a while obviously throughout the the ages but we wanted to focus on the 90s and the 00s cuz yeah, you know that's what we knew there were so many i feel like um i mean it was so popular to have like a concert have like a message you know or benefit some kind of charity or cause mhm like yeah. so like there were like these like tibetan freedom concerts yeah those were um, big yeah championed by like the bc boys and they were kind of like inspired by live aid
1: yeah they were pretty big like i mean the ones i can recall seeing video clips from were like first of all they had quite significant major names on the bill but um they would the performances would be to fifteen, twenty thousand people i mean they really did raise awareness of the situation going on in tibet and um raised a lot of money obviously as well it's
0: just like nice that they were like kind of giving back like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was part of Students for Free Tibet in college. Uh, I went to college in the D.C. area, as some folks know, if you've heard other episodes of this podcast. Um, And at the time, it was the start of the Bush administration. So I was in college throughout the entire uh, first term of the Bush administration, Bush Jr. Um, So I feel like that was my first kind of foray into really being political when I was like 18, 19 um, and, yeah, one of the groups I w- had a big part in was uh, Students Who are Free Tibet, and um, we had some Tibetan monks visit and kind of tell their story and um, a- and actually create this really beautiful art for us as well. And, yeah, I feel like that kind of ties into these Tibetan Freedom concerts because it was around the same time. Like, this, actually, the concerts might have been a little earlier. The movement really lived on, I would say, until, like, the early 2000s, and then I feel like... I feel like these days, Tibet doesn't get as much attention. Yeah. Unfortunately.
0: Well, there's just so many causes now, so I feel like, you know, you only have, like, a certain amount of attention span and energy and money, like, to give. Uh,
1: Another big one from the 90s was was Woodstock 94. Now... I, I do remember that, like, they tried to have a Woodstock '99 and then various other versions, but I feel like those were a joke. I mean, if you have Limp Bizkit on a bill, like for me, you're automatically discounted. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Woodstock '94 was like the 25th anniversary, and it was the first time that they truly brought back the 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 whole theme and message of Woodstock. Um, and the lineup was like like alternative, wet dream, pretty much. It was like Nine Inch Nails. I remember. Green Day, uh, Blind Melon. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, I remember it being a very muddy weekend. Like I remember the videos of seeing like Trent Reznor throwing mud <laughs> at the crowd and like they had into like this kind of a, uh, they performed like a late night show. And I wish I were there, but I mean, I was like super young at the time and there's no way my parents would have given me the green light to go to Woodstock. Um, yeah, I remember but,
0: yeah. watching it on like MTV News. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's was just like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, you always remember the mud. The mud. Yes, the mud. And people just rolling in the mud, (laughs) moshing in the mud, (laughs) you know?
1: It looked like a fun time. I mean, it didn't look like... I feel like future reincarnations of Woodstock just became kind of a joke. And also, they became violent for some reason. There were, like, fires and stuff. This just seemed like a good vibe, if my memory is serving me correctly.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think, like, people during this time were yeah m- more hopeful like like that's why these like things happen during this time like mm-hmm. all these like events that we'll talk about throughout the episode is that like pe- I think like people did have like hope and did think they could change the world <laughs> and, yeah. like, you know so they were like yeah let's go you know do this like music festival you know and I'm inspired by Woodstock you mm-hmm. know and like that just speaks to like What the atmosphere was like during
1: that time. A couple years ago, I went upstate for the weekend and actually was on the Woodstock grounds. Oh, cool! Because those are actually open to the public. And I got to say, like, I don't have a particular like connection to Woodstock necessarily, but it was surreal to be on the grounds uh, where it all took place. You know, I I can't explain it. it. It kind of it brought a certain emotion that I didn't anticipate. It was kind of cool it was kind of cool and you could just kind of i don't know maybe it was just one of those things in a metaphysical sense like you could just feel like the presence of like peace love and music you know <laughs> around you i don't know
0: that's cool yeah, yeah it kind of still is holding that like magic energy
1: yeah yeah and
0: then there was like the more um punk inspired movements like the riot girl of course i guess that's started in like the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. and um, just kind of grew into this like underground punk rock girl movement, you know Yeah. Like, feminism and just like being a little more aggressive
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, to kind of illustrate like the equality, I guess, you know so women Absolutely. can be aggressive, we can demand you know to be treated better and equal rights.
1: Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll talk about one of the key acts from Riot Girl uh, a little later in the episode. You know, when when Riot Girl was really breaking in the early '90s, I was really young and not aware of it until you know later on. But I remember the first time I saw an act that was a Riot Girl related act was when I saw the Gossip in like '99, 2000, before they really broke in a major way, and they were still making punk music. And I saw them at the Black Cat in DC, and it was, I mean. Bet Ditto is. I feel like we could have a whole episode on Bet Ditto. I adore her so much, but like, uh, it was such a powerful show. And, um, you know, at the time they were pretty much writing minute and a half, two minute songs that were just kind of a big F you to everything going on and kind of just like, I'm a lesbian deal with it. It was just kind of like, it was so like, I don't give a shit. It was, it was inspiring. And, um, I think particularly it was inspiring to see, um, a woman who doesn't fit the quote unquote like model you know uh, body type just being like this is my body deal with it this is my sexuality deal with it these are my politics deal with it and I think um, I don't know I was really just kind of enamored with her uh, and and of course the whole band and um, yeah that they were one of my favorites from the movement and of course Sleater Kenny as well I had friends that were like Sleater Kenny mega fans and like would go to every local show they would do and I never reached that level with them but uh, of course they're one of the most prominent acts of this movement
0: yeah there is like a level of fandom that came with those bands you Mm -hmm. know it's kind of interesting to think of it that way (laughs) yeah yeah. people were standing them
1: (laughs) people were standing before standing was a term totally (laughs)
0: yeah exactly (laughs) Um, even with like Slater Kinney
1: (laughs) yeah well Slater Kinney to this day uh, you know still doing their thing so, um, and, you know, their last album was very critically acclaimed uh, that was came out maybe about a year ago at this point. So, yeah. they're, you know, i, I love to
0: see... like a, you know...
1: Well, she's now like a TV, TV and film star. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So,
0: it's kind of interesting how, like, all of that develops, you know. Yeah, I um, wouldn't
1: have seen that coming, no. honestly.
0: Like, I totally agree with what you said about Beth Ditto. Like, she, she was like the original memory I would say of like a big girl kind of becoming like iconic Mm -hmm. in a way and um she still holds that like you know giant power you know you feel it
1: yeah I agree and for me like whenever I see Beth solo or you know the gossip semi-retired but then kind of came back and then kind of didn't so I don't know what the current status is of the band but whenever I see Beth live in whatever fashion it is like I'm just always kind of... I mean, I love her. I really believe that she's one of the best live acts, best live vocalists, like, around. It's just so much passion and so much... She's just having so much fun up there also. And and like I said before, it's just... She's just so fiercely independent and fiercely doesn't care. Uh, it's, it's kind of incredible. But I just also wanted to mention, like... Of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, like, the Gossip Signature song and probably the song that broke them into the mainstream... Standing in the way of control is a protest song in its in its own way. I mean, it's a protest against uh, people that were saying at the time that uh, same sex marriage shouldn't exist. Um, so it it became this pride anthem in like the the mid aughts, and um, it's also just a fun song to dance to, you know. So yeah, I I, I can't say enough about Gossip and Beth. They're amazing.
0: In the nineties, I didn't realize riot girl was kind of covering like really dark stuff mm-hmm. you know like rape and domestic abuse yeah. and just like everything that's bad like yeah. every, like racism even and like mm-hmm. i just i just thought of it as like a female empowerment thing mm-hmm. i didn't realize it was like but now you know as i'm older and like you know know about more of these issues and like, I feel like everyone is more aware of these kind of issues ever since like me too and stuff like that. And the inequality of power there. I didn't know it back then. Mm -hmm. so It's like, I have like a different perspective of it now, you know?
1: What I think is kind of funny is that like a band like bikini kill in the early nineties doing their riot girl thing, you know, they were definitely regarded in certain circles, but it was also seen as kind of like fringe punk, weird whatever the term people want to use this but now like when Bikini Kill did a a reunion tour it was like huge you know and they're playing these huge rooms and stuff so I feel like kind of in retrospect the entire Riot Girl movement uh, there's a new appreciation for it now and I think that that's kind of cool like things go come around full circle you know
0: yeah like I was happy that their like reunion tour was doing so well I was like wow that's awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like Good to see that yeah, the appreciation can come later, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I watched MTV all the time and I feel like there's a big like rock the vote kind of thing happening. Mhm. With the MTV generation.
1: Yeah, that was huge in the in the mid nineties or even early nineties.
0: I know. I was actually when I, I looked it up and I was like surprised that it was founded in nineteen ninety. I, well, like, than I always thought it like. was like I thought maybe like the 80s But I guess I guess it was in the 90s mm-hmm. um, And uh, that was like a big thing It was like all the commercials for that You know yeah. just, like, And the, that message was everywhere You know I think they're trying to do it now too I kind of see little ads here and there That are kind of like rock of the Vote" Ads Have you yeah. seen that at all?
1: I have seen that. I, I just, I, to me, I always find it depressing that if you look at the demographics of who votes in any election, um, in any state, even it's, it's pretty uniform. People over sixty-five come out, uh, you know, I think on average like about seventy, seventy-five percent of the time. And young people who are under thirty, under twenty-five, the number is like thirty, forty percent, and it's so depressing. So. I, you know How's that I, I, possible it's it's i don't know i guess I guess certain young people think that it doesn't affect me personally and and i don't or or some people just don't know enough or or aren't don't follow this type of stuff and to me it's it's kind of dark, but I do think from now on after everything that we have collectively lived through over the last couple of years i do in my heart of hearts i i hope and feel that young people will that percentage will grow and it it won't be forty percent you know.
0: Is it will it be because of TikTok? <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably. You're actually probably right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just I like all like the weird new ways people are protesting, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like the K pop stands. Well like. oh, that well
1: yeah, they've <laughs> really been doing hashtags. everything.
0: Yeah, I like um unsavory hashtags. Like I was like just floored by that. I was just like, whoa. I mean, (laughs) it just shows you what what you can do when you just like can organize and just execute something so well like that. That's just so modern.
1: (laughs) It's so modern. I'm in awe of them. I mean, in particular, that whole situation they caused with this fool's, I'm not going to say his name, uh, rally a a couple months back uh, and how they the campaign really thought that one million people were going to show up to this thing, and they had, like, 4,000, 6,000 or something. So, And it was all because of, like... Or mostly because of these K-pop, like, TikTok, like, yeah, kids. And they really did it, and they fooled the entire campaign and administration. That's wild, you
0: yeah. know?
1: And that also was a form of protest, you know?
0: Absolutely. They were... Trying to affect some change in their own way. Mm-hmm. So I was totally into that.
1: And I think that's what it boils down to. You do things in your own way and, and you, you kind of protest or whatever term you want to use as it best fits what you do. Some people do the call. Some people do the signature. Some people run for office. You just have to feel what's right for you and fight back, uh, you know, in, in whatever fashion you feel is appropriate. Yeah. You know, I think that's the thing. We just, we can't get complacent. And I think, I think there's just because of the last few years and because the world is so topsy-turvy right now, I think that, I don't know, I feel like the energy in the air, there's, it's, it's going in the right direction in my view.
0: Yeah. And I think like everyone's contributing like in their own way. So you can't be too harshly judging people, you know, Mm -hmm. and you know everyone's just trying to do their best did you mention the bright eyes song yeah. i didn't mention
1: it yet, but i would like to discuss it
0: <laughs> yeah i didn't actually remember this at the time did you remember it coming out? i
1: did i was a, i was like a big bright eyes fan in like uh, in college although this song came out a couple years after that um, they didn't put, or Connor, or Bright Eyes, whatever term you want to use. This song didn't come out until kind of midway through uh, Bush's tenure. Uh, but the song is called When the President Talks to God. And I I think it was kind of like a standalone single or B-side or something. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I it, think
0: they released it only on iTunes. Okay. Like it, as it, a free download.
1: As a free download. It, it, it's um, It's a very pointed song about... Uh, every time that Bush screwed us up, you know, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've never seen Connor play this song live, although I haven't seen Bright Eyes live in quite some time. But um, the song, it's funny, like, you know, uh, prior to the recording of this, we were looking up articles, and I guess uh, Connor spoke with NME about how this song – does or doesn't relate to trump and i guess he just he views and, and in a way i agree like the difference between bush and trump is that bush was acting out all these hideous policies and trump obviously is as well but is such a joke that um i, I don't know it's almost like ridiculous to revisit this particular song uh, i feel like there needs to be a new song written about uh, not when not just when the president is uh unethical but when the president is 7,000 other adjectives you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's like remember when we thought Bush was the worst I
1: know well I gotta say when I when I went you know there are certain people on my timelines that are like uh, you know now reminiscing fondly about Bush and I'm like that those weren't good years let's not fool ourselves but I think for me the difference is is that uh, with Bush even though he made awful decisions and was a terrible person in my view i don't think that he actively wanted to destroy america like i think he made he made terrible decisions as it relates to the economy the military uh he lied to us but i i i don't think in his heart of hearts he was an evil hateful person whereas that's what we're dealing with now you know so i don't know listen they both aren't good situations but i think this is worse if i were to choose i don't know yeah yeah there are there are quite a few songs in the 90s and aughts that I would consider protest music regardless if they were you know big hits or not I mean one that stands out to me personally is um uh when Tori Amos released Silent All These Years um the song is on her debut album Little Earthquakes and the song you know uh discusses in great detail as do a couple other songs on this album um her experiences with sexual abuse and um she spoke very candidly about it, and uh, it was you know very pure and coming from a very honest, real place, and uh, kind of just protesting the injustices that women have to face um, in, in various forms and it kind of led her to be this driving force behind rain, which is a uh, the rape, abuse and incest national network, and pretty much almost everything she does now, whether it's a book release an album release a tour uh there is at least some percentage of that money going to rain um so i i commend her for that and um you know she's incredible yeah i know we discussed this in a, a previous episode but particularly with that album and the start of her career she was constantly you know kind of fighting against the man and and just kind of uh for what the direction of her music was going to be in terms of the sound and the content, so I don't know, she was protesting on her own in a certain way, you know
0: yeah, I mean, I feel like she was so brave to be so open about you know her own kind of experiences yeah and um, yeah. it's like. I don't know. The original me too.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like yeah.
0: Um, but I think uh yeah, because I've seen like a bunch of people do concerts for rain benefiting rain. So, mm-hmm. I feel like it's like cool when you can start a, you know, a chain like that, like a fundraising chain that mm-hmm. can really give resources to things like that cuz you know, people weren't talking about it back then
1: that's the thing people were not talking about it and it was kind of just like brushed under the rug and something you should be embarrassed about and she pretty much said like we need to face this and we need to educate people and we need to have the resources and um she did it and um I think that's phenomenal that she was able to accomplish all that and and um at the same time just be so open and 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 yeah. I mean she's based her whole career on just being so warm and 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 listening to people. Uh and I think that's why she has such a hardcore fandom is because she takes the time and she um kind of process processes what people tell her into song, into action. And um I don't know, I I, I adore her. I mean I haven't really listened to a recent album of hers nearly as much as I did those albums she put out in the 90s and early aughts but uh but she will always hold a very special place in my heart so yeah Tori Tori's phenomenal
0: um I was reading that she has like a new memoir yeah
1: she put it out you know I I saw some clips on YouTube and other social medias where she uh was kind of doing these like live streams and live you know zoom interview type things uh I guess, you know, obviously everybody's doing the same thing now, releasing something in the middle of this pandemic. So uh, the, the entire book tour got canceled. But, yeah, she's still promoting it in, in the, the way she can. Yeah. And it's called Resistance, I believe.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, she's having another moment. Mm-hmm. hmm You know. There are other
1: tracks as well, right?
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, I actually, like... I don't think I ever realized that this song was, like, considered a protest song, but Sonic Youth. um, Mm -hmm. uh, Their song Youth Against Fascism Mm -hmm. off of Dirty um, from 92. I mean, obviously I feel like they were a political band in their own way, but more in just, like, the personalities of, like, Kim Gordon and Thurston. I guess they're, you know, like, they're talking about Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas and you know, sexual harassment, which is like it's just this continuing issue, you know, of like power and who do you believe women and then compare it to current stuff so much, especially with like Kavanaugh. You know? <laughs> cool, so it's just like I guess uh, people consider that like a, a modern protest song. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, I always considered them a punk band. mm-hmm I guess it was like anti-Skinheads, anti-Ku Klux Klan, stuff like that. And then there's like the obvious, um, Rage Against the Machine, Killing in the Name of Them. I feel like everyone's like referencing that song right now.
1: I know. Well, I feel like so many Rage songs and lyrics and album titles are all like uh, relevant now um, for obvious reasons, but... I mean, th- to be perfectly blunt, they were never my favorite band, but um, the the music was just not something I personally related to. Uh, but the, I, the whole point of the band is to is a big middle finger to the government, to to all this mess, to fascism. So um, yeah, uh, I feel like. W- You know, it'd be it'd be unfortunate if we didn't include them in today's episode. So, yeah, I mean, everything Rage Against the Machine it put out in the 90s definitely falls in this category.
0: I know it's kind of like the automatic theme song to when (laughs) things like this happen. Exactly. It's like you always pull out some rage against the machine. Also, like I wanted to talk about M.I.A. Mm -hmm. Even though we've talked about her in previous episodes, Mm -hmm. but she was such a political artist Mm -hmm. and uh, people always cite Paper Planes as like a protest song, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was like a huge hit for her, you know, and it was
1: probably like one of her biggest, if not her biggest hit.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that was like made her like super mainstream at that Mm -hmm. point on radio you mm-hmm. heard that song everywhere mm-hmm. um, and I guess it was around the same time there was all this controversy because she was like condemning the Sri Lankan government so she was you know standing up for like probably like a, a kind of history that most people aren't paying attention to and trying to bring some light to it and awareness exactly. yet becoming like this international star while doing it, I feel like that's pretty unique. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. And then you know, I I recall when she did that duet with Madonna and performed at the Super Bowl. Remember that whole mess that she put her finger up?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: but I mean, I I know. Um, but I feel like she's the type of artist who, when she has the moment and the spotlight, she's going to uh, place attention on various injustices, and I think that that's admirable, you know?
0: Yeah. I want more people to do it in a very genu- more genuine way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I think, like, I mean, at least in the age of, like, social media, like, it's good that, I like, a lot of people are posting all this stuff, but sometimes it doesn't feel real. It feels yeah. just like you just do it because, like, you... Feel like you—that's what you're supposed to do, <laughs> mm-hmm. without really like understanding what it is. But I guess it's better than nothing. I don't know.
1: I mean, I guess for me, like you know, there's certain people that I follow that have posted like you know Black Lives Matter uh, uh, posters or banners with a sexy selfie, and I'm like, well, you're not getting it, and also that's beyond disrespectful. But then, like, just that is not enough for me to me, like, are you doing all the work also? And I think in a lot of cases, um, I guess I'm particularly speaking, not so much about like the everyday person, but certain celebrities or certain people, whatever they are with a big platform doing one post or doing one thing to kind of appear set like that you care is not enough. I want to see more than that, you know? Um, I want to see you speaking out. I think certain people are afraid to because in the social media age, they're afraid that they're going to lose followers, fans, whatever. But in my mind, like, if you're not going to speak out in a very loud way now, then when are you going to do it? You
0: know? At least people are, like, recognizing it, you know, mm-hmm. the need to amplify, like, certain causes and trying to look beyond themselves i think sometimes it's like hard to have that perspective especially like um i feel like especially if you haven't traveled a lot to other Mm -hmm. countries Mm -hmm. and feel like what it feels like to not be like a native person (laughs) in where you are you know like or you don't you go somewhere and you don't speak the language and maybe they don't speak English, so you really get to feel, like, what it feels like not to know what the hell people are talking about (laughs) around you or, like, you know, just things like that. Like, it gives you, like, a perspective on, like, what it feels like to be that other person or somebody that's, like, kind of an outsider or something like that. And, like, like, I think it's so important to try to, like, experience that to really have empathy you
1: know I agree I mean for me it doesn't even necessarily have to even go to an international type of focus but like certain people who live in this country that are only familiar with their immediate neighborhood or, or state or whatever the case may be and they have no interest and no compassion for people facing a uh, terrible situation elsewhere but yet we're all American so for me that's that's kind of sad also is that you know we have we have this in common yet we're not we don't have the the, the same empathy for someone who is in a, a different situation i don't know i feel like it's sad I, I don't know i just feel like generally right now we're very divided and um it is what it is you know we're going there's going to be a lot of healing i think that's going to take place over the next few years uh and hopefully the these people that um refuse to educate themselves or refuse to exhibit empathy or or anything of that sort, like, I hope that at least a certain percentage of them will wake up and and see how things really are, you know? But I don't know. I don't have the answer.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it is going to depend on this November election. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately. Exactly. (laughs) So, um so that's why it's so heated right now this is like the time Mm -hmm. the road leading to (laughs) exactly our future (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but yeah yeah so you know like there's just there's been so many good songs and artists and um movements kind of throughout the those time periods um where we were really growing up but maybe we were like yeah we were like a little just slightly too young to really yeah
1: yeah. grasp
0: the concept i mean we were being taught like history and now we're older we're like that's not the real the whole truth (laughs) kind of history
1: that's that's for sure i mean that's actually something i've encountered recently on a couple of political zoom calls is just whats what we're, what we're opening our eyes to now, at least I'll speak for myself as a white person, like that was not what was taught to me in high school and that was not what I realized was going on. Like I didn't see what was happening beneath the surface until, you know, unfortunately in, when I was an adult and particularly the last few years. So, um, you know, I feel very naive and that's why I'm trying to educate myself on certain things that I didn't understand completely.
0: Yeah, that's just part of growing up and hopefully expanding your mind. (laughs) Just like Mm -hmm. all the like um, things that are like not taught to you just and they think it's like they're protecting you maybe or they're protecting them themselves, the country. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it is kind of mind blowing when you think about it. (laughs) Yeah. You have to really redefine like reality. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to Riot Girl, I mean, the probably the most well-known album would be the Bikini Kill "Pussy Whipped" album,
1: ninety-three,
0: mm-hmm. uh, and also just like their label, Kill Rock Stars. Of course. Know? So yeah. like, just all those elements together. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, for anyone who's not familiar with this movement and these artists that we've mentioned today that were from, you know, the Pacific Northwest in the early 90s, creating this type of music, like you really need to go back and like listen to everything that Kill Rock Stars put out from like 91 to 94, because it's just there's so much quality in there. And um, it was a really good moment for music. Um and like I said, I was kind of too young when this was all happening, but looking back, like it, it just it's, it's great stuff. Um, but yeah, this album was considered I mean, it's on so many like best of, greatest type album lists, but um Entertainment Weekly just kind of summed it up pretty easily as like the first great Riot Girl album, and I kind of agree, like it was the breakthrough from the movement and just super influential. like I said, it's an album I got into. Way after it was released. Yeah, it's a good one. For me, it's kind of, it's just so strong. I love that, like, the songs are almost all under two minutes or two minutes. Um, and it's just kind of, like, no nonsense, straight to the point. And, uh, and it's fun and it's energetic and it's punk rock.
0: My favorite songs are short songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, straight into the point. What was your, like, uh, repeat? On this album,
1: I mean, I feel like I have to include Rebel Girl because, like, that's the moment, that's the song. But, um, I also really like Star Boy just because, like, Kathleen the screams in that song are our next level, oh <laughs> and God. yeah, and also I think that song is like a minute 15 or something, a minute and a half, it's like no joke, and um. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, kind of revisiting this album made me think back to an album that I was, you know, more familiar with when it came out, which was, or EP was uh, the first Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's release with Bang and Art Star and Mystery Girl. Like, yeah. to me, I see parallels there, even though, you know, oh, there so was obviously many, I think. A, a gap of time. Um, so, yeah, they, they really kind of got the ball rolling on all of this and, uh. It's a great album. It's a great punk album. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, like, you just have to have, like, that attitude to embody this, like, you know, feeling and message that they were, like, uh, putting in their songs. And, like, Kathleen and Hannah had it. And, I, yeah, I think Karen O. Oh, it's, like, very similar. hmm But, yeah, like, with the Star-Bellied Boy, you're, like, this screams. I was like. We're like Mariah Carey punk rock screams. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: it was real good. It was, was really like, good. Holy
0: crap. <laughs> but uh my repeat was like actually uh it was Starfish. It was like that's mm-hmm. also like one minute long. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: But, you know, I thought I had a uh, really catchy bass line which like Kathleen and Hannah is actually like playing the bass on that song. Even though it wasn't like screamy, um I think maybe that's what I liked about it. It was just more like, it was like about, you know, some kind of abuse. I'm guessing sexual abuse. And then, like, yeah, yeah, she just sings it and then it's done, you know. Mm -hmm. I just Mm -hmm. thought short and sweet and powerful message. Absolutely. That was what I liked about it. You can't always repeatedly listen to a screaming song (laughs)
1: so yeah this
0: is my everyday repeat song
1: right 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 for me the the only one that doesn't fall in that category is the album closer i mean i think it's placed properly for tammy ray but um i don't even think they needed it i would be fine if they just cut that and just have every song two minutes and the album is you know 24 minutes long that's fine with me but um that last song didn't really seem like it was necessary or really fit with the the rest of the the work. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I thought it was like um, like it. You just kind of get deflated while that song yeah. is on.
1: But I mean, this is this is a strong release. I mean, there's no two ways about it. And they're going to be touring extensively next year since part of this year's tour got nixed for the obvious. So I uh, yeah, you should definitely see them if they're coming to your city.
0: Yeah. Who knows when? <laughs>
1: yeah. Hopefully oh. summer 2021.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I actually, like, keep hearing that people are, like, um, now moving to their tours to, like, the third quarter.
1: I know. I know. Well, <laughs> I mean, I guess if you need to play it safe, yeah. Yeah. Although wh- we don't know what the world's going to look like. So, I, I, you know, I, I would hope by then things would be calmer, but I'd, who knows?
0: Who knows? We'll see. And that was my skip, too. I was. um, Yeah. I I just didn't. Yeah. Doesn't have to be on there. Yeah. The next album we were going to talk about Tinead O'Connor. I do not want what I haven't got.
1: Yeah. And this came out in 1990. This is the album with nothing compares to you on it, which of course was mega, mega, mega hit. It actually hit number one in 17 countries crazy wow
0: it's 30 years
1: 30 years yeah and what I found most impressive about that statistic is that it w- in the U.S. it was number one on the pop charts and it was number one on the alternative charts the only person I think who maybe did that besides her is like Alanis Morissette like maybe mm. with ironic or something like that but I I
0: makes sense I don't
1: think anything has even come close to crossing over like that with with you know whatever the equivalent of a modern rock chart is and a pop chart this album, I mean, for me, listening back to it was, like, mind-blowing. Um, her voice is unreal. The songs are just so strong and so meaningful, and there's just so much there. And for me personally, like, I was a kid when, when Nothing Compares to you came out. Of course, like, it's such an iconic song and video and whatnot. But I really got into, into her when I was in college, and she released an album called Faith and Courage that had uh, its own, like, kind of protest songs on it, like No Man's Woman and Jealous and whatnot. But uh, I didn't, I never really went too far backwards with Sinead when that album came out, like, 2000, 2001. So when I was revisiting this and thinking to myself, like, this was her introduction to the world, and it's, like, it's gorgeous. It's moving. I don't know. I'm going on and on. But, like, I honestly believe that, like, if she didn't get into hot water with various situations which we can hop into like i think she would have been a huge huge star even outside of just that single you know
0: actually i feel like i have uh we've said that before but i have a new appreciation of her <laughs> today mm-hmm. than i did back then obviously like i'd loved nothing compares to you but like i don't know that i got like all the depths of like mm-hmm. I knew she was controversial, but I didn't really go deep into it, you know? So now just like knowing it with like a better appreciation as like an adult, you know, I think like I, there's just so much more meaning to this album and Mm -hmm. like, yeah, her voice is like unreal. (laughs) She's like a little otherworldly, you know, very emotional, Kind of like a few different influences too on certain tracks, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting.
1: And I mean, I didn't fully realize that there were so many political moments on this until I really revisited it in a in a deep way. But um I guess I'm most immediately familiar with uh Black Boys on Mopeds just because um I was recently reintroduced to that song because Sharon Van Etten covered it mm. uh live mm-hmm. and there's actually a really great version of that. Um, She went to Sirius XM. She went to their studios and and recorded it. And it's on YouTube. If you guys want to watch it, but um, that song uh, is a beautiful song, but it's specifically, it details this uh, black British man who died of a gunshot wound um, in a police station. And, you know, it's pretty much a, a song for civil rights for, for, for the black community. And, uh, I mean, who else was doing that in 1990? I don't know. I mean, what other white artist was doing that in 1990? I don't know.
0: Yeah, she had balls. <laughs> she was,
1: Yeah. She, yeah. you
0: know, it, it speaks to like, you know, the shaved head even, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. she.
1: That in itself is a political yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know?
0: And she just did not, she was like, I know I'm a woman, but like, fuck it. I'm just gonna like mess with their perceptions and shave my head and you know, I, I just mm-hmm. think like um she just did it her way and I think that's why she's so respected still.
1: You know, I was watching um some YouTube videos this week of recent interviews with her because she disappeared for a while and then of course she's had various challenges in her life. Uh but she's she's back and she's healthy now and she's was touring, but at least before the pandemic happened. Um, And I was watching an interview she did with uh, a UK morning show. And she was actually, it was a funny story about Prince. uh, And she was, you know, she only ever met him once. She recorded Nothing Appears to You, which Prince wrote. um, And I guess, you know, she, she got into all these controversies because of, notably, that incident where she tore up the photo of the Pope on SNL, which is, like, unfortunately, like, probably her most, for, if you were to ask someone about Sinead O'Connor, that's probably the first thing that would come to mind if they don't really know yeah. her full history and, and discography. But um, I guess he was angry at her. He kind of summoned her to um, to Minneapolis, to Paisley Park. And she went, thinking it was going to be like, a look, you have a number one song with my song, and we're both making money, and it's a great single, whatever. And meanwhile, it was kind of like Prince telling her, um, I don't approve of you. You're representing me because it's my song and and you're doing all this crazy shit and uh, therefore, you know, kind of, I disavow you. And he was, like, apparently chasing, like, literally, like, they had, like, a, a... They were running after each other and it was, like, he was... He was... I don't know. She says he was going to get violent with her or something, so she, like, ran out of Paisley Park.
0: Well, wow, Isn't that crazy? I do not know that story. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: But he was not thrilled that like that, like her public image was what it was and that she her most famous song was the song he wrote. He really was not yeah. thrilled.
0: But honestly, I don't think I knew Prince wrote that song till way later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, her version is a lot more popular. Yeah.
0: His version is and great. And if I though. were to. I like his version. His that version. Was like, is I guess released I much do, later. I mean, from... Right. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, this is such a gorgeous cover uh, that, I mean, I I will always associate the song with her before him.
0: I know. Like, she was singing it to her mother. He was singing it to his assistant. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that funny?
0: If I was thinking basic, I would say nothing compares to you as my repeat, like, just the natural repeat song. But in listening to the album, I did like the Emperor's (laughs) New Clothes.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's a really good strong yeah, track. Yeah.
0: And um I don't know, like I just like how her voice sounds different on certain tracks, you know, depending on what she's trying to get out of it, mm-hmm. you know. And then I would have skipped the the last song, I do not the title track. I do not want what I haven't got. Mm-hmm. Um and that was just because it was like a too it was a little bit monotonous for me. So yeah. It was a little it was just the same kind of chanty kind of cadence the whole time and I just wish she did something else with it.
1: That's fair. For me like I listening back to this album I just thought it was phenomenal and moving and uh uh I kind of was like kicking myself for not going backwards with her discography when I kind of really got into her in college. I mean, I, I loved pretty much every track on this album. I think for me, when it got to the end and it was the title track, which is acapella and kind of echoey, kind of sounds as if she were recording it like in a cave or something. I don't know. I was, I was not expecting it and I was really kind of taken aback. So I think if I were to pick a favorite today, I would actually pick that one. Uh, but... I could see this being an album where in two months from now, if I re-listen to it, I might pick something else just because it's so strong and there are so many great selections. And the only one I really was like kind of met on was um, You Can Cause As Much Sorrow. That's the only one I think when I was listening to this that didn't move me as much as the others. But um, I feel like now having revisited uh, her debut, like I want to go into the full discography from, you know, all of the throughout the 90s, and then those years that I kind of lost her in like the you know the mid aughts and whatnot, late aughts. Um, because she's just she's just beyond, and I, I hope to one day see her live. Yeah, I don't know what she's done like the last two. I think, like, she, like I said, she's been da- battling a lot of personal stuff the last few years and kind of on the right track now. But she put out an album maybe five, six years ago that I reviewed for a magazine. It's called Um. I'm not bossy. I'm the boss, which maybe isn't the best title, but okay. Um, and there's a tra- the lead single on that album is so good. It's called take me to church. It's not a cover of that terrible song. It's, it's, it's its own thing. Um, and it's just a really, it's another powerful movement. Um, like in the video, actually, she's wearing this wig and she kind of, you know, takes off her own wig, throws it on the floor and then shows her bald head again that we know and love her for. And she's playing guitar and, um, I don't know. It's, it's another it's another one of those uh, songs of hers, which I think she does so well, where she really kind of takes you on this journey. And it's about um, perseverance and about kind of uh, rebuilding after a loss. And uh, that's, I think, ultimately what she's able to illustrate so beautifully with her music is is kind of like bouncing back from from, you know, a miserable yeah. situation. But yeah, that's a good one to look up. The song is Take Me to Church, and um, that, that album kind of got lost in the shuffle, but it's it's a good one.
0: It's cool. Now yeah, I'm, I'm glad we picked uh, these albums to kind of go over and... Yeah, me re- too. Rediscover, really, for me. It was nice to kind of, like, learn more about the different kind of protest music that's mm-hmm. going on, because I think, like, right now, there are all these new ones coming out, so even Beyonce right like she released a protest song and yeah freedom and she did formation before and then Janelle Monáe even more modern kind of artists who aren't as like well known but you know I feel like everyone's kind of putting their voices in there
1: and I I love seeing like pop stars do that now like not to be unafraid of putting out a political song because we all need we all need everyone's has to do what they have to do and you know if if someone's listening to Beyonce and getting their news from Beyonce and she's saying this is the atrocity of what the situation is right now then she's doing something progressive and in in the right direction in my mind you know if they're not to MSNBC like I am you know
0: (laughs) I feel like that concludes our episode on protest music keep
1: up the good fight everyone and um We will catch you next time on
0: Mixtape Memories. Memories.
2: Bye. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.